station just inside the doorway. Use it only in emergency. All right, is this better? Let me check. Have I done this better? Testing, okay, perfect, perfect. So I wanted to say that I've missed you guys on Monday and Tuesday. I have been extremely busy, but also I think I forced myself uh, to have a little bit more time in the sense that um, even though I was busy doing things, I was able to have some time to um, get other things done, uh, personal things, more spiritual things. So I was going to, uh, Hera was supposed to come with me uh, to New York. That way I can have uh, my girls, uh, actually she booked her ticket uh, to see my sister and um, she couldn't because she was sick. So we were like, yeah, okay. But little did we realize on the day after we flew out that the suitcase that she had <laughs> had all our chargers in it um, and other stuff, but it was like, whatever, right? Um, it felt good um, where I had a few hours in the morning on Tuesday uh, after 10, of course, Um to go to the church that raised me um, and see uh, the nuns that took care of me when I was in diapers. So um, it was quite emotional too to see them. And when they saw Phoebe, because they saw Phoebe first, they were like, wait a minute, have you not grown up yet? <laughs> it's been like so long. So they thought it was me. Um, so that was nice. Um, but I actually got to sit with them and witness uh, people entering the church and asking for religious exemptions. Um, that church is the only Greek church that is giving religious exemptions. Their old calendar, meaning that they didn't agree with the Catholic church and other religions to move Christmas, uh, to the 25th, you know, um, and, um, you know, they, they all raised me. I, the bishop that had suffered a stroke, obviously couldn't speak, um, and then um, my most favorite priest was sick and he was isolating. So I couldn't see him, broke my heart that I couldn't see him, but I saw the head nun. So, um, I mean, you know, I remember her when she was young looking after me, right? So um, it was really incredible just to go uh, and see them and talk with them and express the concerns we have. Uh, you know, we I visited with them. They were getting ready for Christmas because Christmas is on the 7th. And um, so they were getting preparations together and had, you know, we have like a fast before Christmas. So, you know, I love their cooking. I pretty much grew up on it. So um, it was, it was really great to see her. And, um, I was, I was just so 
um, at peace and excited. I mean, I, I remember while I was waiting, um, you know, the church is open 24 seven, they don't close. And so I, I went into the church and just sat down and I was telling my daughter how, you know, we used to piss off the bishop because we used to slam the chairs as kids. And, um, you know, I showed her where uh, we caused trouble and havoc in the church um, because they used to, they were my daycare. Um, my parents uh, used to uh, drop me off in Queens while they went to work um, when I was young and they were my foundation. And you know what I noticed that every single uh, person my age that went through school uh, through them like daycare and, you know, Greek school or aftercare, whatever you call it, after school care, they're all conservative except for my sister. But, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> uh, I, completely enjoyed it because it gave me like an invigorating strength. My cat's complaining to me because I was gone. Invigorating um, strength because I needed to see them and get their blessing because what's about to happen in 22 is not going to be pretty and it's not going to be easy either. I was so upset to see my hometown completely estranged. I remember, you know, you know, being raised there and growing up there, just how everyone in New York was a rebel, you know, how everything there would be first, like the first styles, um, the first people that would say no, the first people that would, you know, stand tall and just to see every single New Yorker, whipped and um, just complying with things was, you know, just so sad for me. It was like, Phoebe was like, oh, mom, are you like going to spontaneously cry again? And I was just like, how could I not? Where did they all go? Like, I remember how New York was, like what happened to New York? Because everywhere we would look, there would be COVID, te COVID testing units and the lines would be so long and people would be like quadruple masked, right? At one point, you know, obviously Phoebe made me laugh really hard when someone was like, put your mask on. She was like, oh, communism, my favorite. I was like, that was the comedic timing on that was perfect. I was like, please go ahead. Say more things like that every single time just to, you know, um, take the edge off. It was great because whatever meeting I went to, people were already in there. And so we didn't get carded for vaccines, but guys, they check vaccine cards. They want your ID. You know, you can't go in without it. You know, you can't do shit without it. We were walking with no masks. Like they would tell us, put your mask on and it would be like right on the chin. Um, it was, it was pretty bad, but, um, a lot of people are refusing to vaccinate their children and they're struggling right now because they don't know what to do. And, you know, there's people that I spoke to, like an Uber driver, a lady who had her friend get the, the second vaccine and she died. And she's like, people are dying. And I was like, well, why'd you take it? She was like, cause I needed a job.
And so another thing I saw was, so uh, we had gone to the Trump. Guys, they have people literally in Trump Tower just checking. Like they had mask Nazis, vaccine card Nazis, the whole nine yards. And, you know, at, at, at a meeting that I had, I made it clear, like, how do they know the vaccine cards are real? Because there's so many fake ones. They sell them on every corner. And it's not like fake, like, here, let me make it for you. It's you go to the doctor, right, down in Brooklyn, and you go and see the doctor, and he squeezes that shit out in the garbage and gives you a fucking card. So people aren't really getting vaccinated either. And so I'm like, all right, so how are they going to know? They can't know. What are they going to test for to see if you're immunocompromised? That would let the world know exactly what these vaccines are doing. It's a catch-22. So how do they know? How do they know when someone has a fake vaccine card? Because they were selling them like candy. I, I kid you not. I was I, I I was at the park and we were contemplating. I was like, oh, we should have a Nathan's hot dog. Phoebe was like, are you kidding me? We're going to eat from hot dog cart. And I was like, why not? Or do you want to do the chicken and rice? That's just my favorite, by the way. Chicken and rice from a food cart. Like you can't go wrong. Um I, I, but you have to make sure they cook the chicken because uh, once I got raw chicken, that was not good. That was very not good. I was so hungry. I was eating the outside and it was like, that was so wrong, but I was fine. But um, we were there and some guy was like, hey, why are you eating here? And I was like, Nathan's hot dogs. Hello. And he was like, hey, you need a vaccine card. I can hook you up with a doctor. You get an appointment. You pay me, you know, you pay me a buck. I'll take you down there and then, you know, your insurance and that's it. And I'm like, what? Phoebe was like, yeah, you got the hookup. That's what I'm like, girl, <laughs> sit down, go away. But I was trying to get more information, not to like squeal on the physicians or anything. Right. But, you know, I asked the guy, like, how does this work? And I was like, why are you doing it? Are, are the doctors paying you? And he's like, no, but since that doctor hooked me up and I can go shopping, I could go to restaurants, other people need to be hooked up. And I was like, so you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart? He's like, yeah. And you'll be surprised. I, I make good, you know, two, $3,000 just from taking 30 people down to the right doctor. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And I was like, what if the cops are marking you and they're watching you go? Oh, he's like, there's a few doctors. I got friends that got cards. So I just send them to one that's local to them. I got a list. And I was like, and what if you approach a cop? He's like, why you a cop? I'm like, no, I'm not a cop. But he's like, we got to all look out for each other. They're going to make our kids fucking take this stuff and they're going to kill our kids. And so, you know, here's a guy working the corners, right? And I got so much information from him because he was like, listen, from what I gather, he goes, they want at least 60 to 80% of the people on the whole planet to take it, which means they know that the vaccine isn't going to kill all of them. They know it's about 50%. That falls in line with about taking out half the world's population, you know, give or take. If they get 70, 80% people vaccinated, that means about 50 people are only going to be a lot. And I was like, um, so how'd you do that? He goes, girl, we got groups. I was like, you do? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we got groups. So, <laughs> this is a funny story. There's this chick with glasses that, that talks. So we decided to do the same thing. We got some in each borough, man. But Staten Island, when it's popping, though, because those people are super into it. And I was like, really? 
yeah, this, 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 this chick, she's, she's hot. She's like 25, 30. I'm like, she is. Yeah. Her name's like Tor or something like the internet browser. I was just like laughing. I was like, this guy is literally talking to me. See, I didn't tell him that though. Obviously I just wanted to find out how they're making these groups in the boroughs and they're talking. He's like, yeah, you know, she's telling people to meet up. That's what we don't, we don't use phones. We don't use nothing. We just talk to each other and we meet up and I'm like, see, that was it. And that was like, like the green dra uh, dragon tavern, right? That George was, he's like, yeah, that's what that chick calls. It. Oh yeah. I heard of her. And he's like, yeah, it's like, you know, we meet up, we hook up, we smoke a blunt or something. And then we talk and then we just share stuff. And I'm like, that was so awesome listening to him, just listening to what the people of New York are doing on the, on the down low. And the other, uh, the other, um, end of it where I, uh, you know, had a couple meetings near some federal buildings, <laughs> obviously none of those guys around there. Um, I decided, you know, where I was to kind of like walk, um, up, you know, past wall street up. And I thought to myself, you know, let me get a coffee. Um, let me, um, let me kind of just mosey around and see the area. So guys, a lot of people are out shopping. It's a lot of foreigners. They have no problem showing carts. I noticed that my sister, she has like it, she has it on her app, you know, and I'm just like, damn, it makes me really sad. But she thinks, uh, you know, it's, um, it's something important. She really does. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people have family like that. You know, I feel it. I get it. I have family like that. I, I, my daughter and I were like, you know, um, uh, FaceTiming my mother and, you know, I was trying to tell her, you know, you need to come. And she was like, I can't, you know, why did she take the damn freaking vaccine? You know, more clocks. You already have problems, complications with clocks from your cancer. Now you take this too. Um, trying to tell her to come by here and stay. And it's like, Anyway, so she was yelling at us because we're walking around without a mask. And I was like, get the hell out of here. Stop. It's like, stop. Um, but it was, it was quite fascinating to just watch how everybody in New York is kind of tired of it. And even the airlines are tired of it. Okay, hold on. So I'm flying, right? And all going and coming, um, the stewardesses you know, weren't mask Nazis or anything. Some of them just took that shit right off. Uh, they were just tired of it. But the one thing I have to tell you is today when I was coming back, I got asked questions at the desk that I've never been asked before. Right. So I go in to check in, I give my ID, I tell him, yeah, you know, I'm going to Cleveland. And then he goes, all right. Um, okay. Uh, did anybody help you pack your shit? You know, all that stuff. They ask me, no, I did it myself. Thanks. Do you have any batteries or explosives? No. And then he was like, are you vaccinated? I was like, yo, that's kind of personal. Right. And then he was like, all right, well, have you had COVID in the last 14 days? Uh, no. How about in the last 90 days? Have you been in contact with someone? I'm like, no. And he's like, so you're not vaccinated? I said, that's none of your business. He's like, all right, let's skip that question. I was like, what? Like, hello? So people are just going to answer those questions? So that never happened to me before at a desk, ever.
That was a Delta, right? They asked me if I was vaccinated. So, you know, obviously when I'm out and about, I have I strike up conversations just to find out. I uh, ran into four teachers from Texas. Um, they were all waiting to get in, obviously. Okay, so my, my sister organized to take us to Serendipity 3. By the way, big ice creams, big frozen hot chocolates, not good, not delicious, not at all. Just saying, even New Yorkers don't go there, right? It's more of a thing, right? But, um, well, we were waiting for the reservation. So I was just having cigarettes and I want to go in later. So that way I don't get card and be like, yeah, I'm already inside upstairs, you know, so that way I just run in. Uh, so that way they don't ask for a card, right? There's like tricks around it. Okay. And, um, anyway, so I was like outside and all these teachers coming from Texas, all excited to, you know, Go into serendipity three for those massive Sundays. By the way, we couldn't even, we didn't even put a dent into that. And it was three of us. Okay. Not even a dent into it. Um, and it was nasty, but I'll tell you what, there was this other place. My sister bought me for Christmas hot chocolate from this place. And it's like a really bougie chocolate place, hot chocolate place. Tell you what, when I met up with her and she gave me the hot chocolate, I was just like, damn, I need more. It wasn't even sweet. It was just freaking delicious. Once tomorrow when I go to the house, cause I'm at my apartment, of course. Right. Um, and I unpacked the suitcase cause, um, when we were picked up from the airport, you know, they went straight home. Uh, I'll open it up and I'll take a picture of it and put it on telegram. It's like the most amazing hot chocolate I've had in my life. Okay. The best. Anyway, Oh, anyway, these teachers from Texas, going back to that, they were, they were saying how it was 80 degrees and how they're worried about it going down to 20 degrees and stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, hopefully you guys don't have your energy, you know, windmills anymore. And they didn't cut the gas because the windmills need gas to run. They were like, I know, right? We need gas. Nah, nah, nah. And I was like, what do you think about the vaccination policies? And they kind of just looked at me, right? And I was like, wait a minute, are they slick? Did they get like fake ones? You know, I was just kind of like, um, trying to suss them out. But apparently in Texas, um, the younger teachers are all about getting vaccinated, right? The older ones were not. So I was like, it was a little bit weird, you know? Um, I was trying to suss them out. But when they were asked for the vaccine card, and I, as I was standing there having a cigarette, they were like all proud showing it. And I was like, damn. Damn. So they were all the young ones, the ones that get the CRT stuff and all that. They were from like Houston, really nice girls. And they, I, I think they were just excited to go to serendipity, which had really crappy. It wasn't that good. Yeah, it wasn't that good. Okay. It wasn't that good. Um, so I wanted to share that because I asked a lot of questions. Like, uh, I had a meeting at the, at the Russian tea room with two people. So I sat there, um, I, I, and I waited. First of all, they're Swedes. Don't eat it. They, they'd all gotten tea and stuff. Um, I like the sandwiches, but you know, I'm not too much on super sweet. It has to be not sweet chocolate. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, when I was there, I was talking, obviously, you ask the right people questions, right? So I was talking to the guy that was like at like head of house. And I was like, so how do you feel about asking people for all these vaccine cards? Mind you, I had just skipped through because of the people I was with. No one asked me, 
right? They would just assume. I mean, if they're officials, right? You know, she obviously does, right? Right? <laughs> Stupid question. So they never asked me. But I just asked him, how do you feel about it? And um, he said he's tired of it. He's like, he's really upset that everyone is um, being forced to ask for these, but he's like, they get fined. Like they will literally come into your establishment and fine you and shut you down, which was crazy, right? I couldn't believe it that they would actually do that. They come in there and they shut the place down. They will fine you. And he's like, you don't want to mess with them. They'll bring health department. They'll shut you down into like tomorrow in a day. And I was like, so are these like cops? Are they like, he's like, I don't know, man. I think they're social workers. And I was like, social workers, social workers coming in. He's like, well, they're like COVID cops. They're not cops. I think they're social workers that are, you know, versed on stopping. And I was like, so what if somebody refuses to show them the card while they're eating? He's like, then they need to get out. And I was like, so... Is that how it's done? And he's like, yeah. And if they leave, they still find us. So we always have to ask before someone comes in. So it really devastates me. And when I was at um, Trump Tower, same thing. They were posted at certain places. Uh, they were chasing people. This one lady got chased into a place. Um, you know, good thing we were like kind of tucked in the cor corner, which by the way, there was a lady from the DOJ from DC sitting there. So I was talking with the guy there. He came, he sat down next to me. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll do the mac and cheese you know, <laughs> and some water. <laughs> and then I was asking, he was like, man, you know, I had to get this Moderna thing. It's like, man, you know, it's really sucks. This, this, this. And I was like, it's just stupid. Everyone's just saying, if people want to get it, they got, I guess maybe the DOJ lady thought that, you know, if you're sitting there, you've got it too. But she was like, thank you. So she's been with the Department of Justice for so long and she completely agrees. And, you know, I, she was so nice. Like me and her could have been friends, right? But it was like, you know, she was like, you know, I've been working for the Department of Justice for like, you know, three decades. And, you know, it's because I wanted early retirement. I was like, so you're a career. She's like, yeah. But, it, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not right what's going on. And I was like, well, you know, I know that there's really good rank and file. It's, she was like the leadership. I just can't even explain it. She says the leadership is just really bad. And I was like, so you had to get it. She's like, well, we all got Trump's JJ first. Um, and that's it. And I was like, uh-huh. Interesting. And she's like, but it's really, really terrible how, you know, this city of all cities is the first one to just kneel to socialism. That was actually, um, you know, totally not me talking. It was the other person. And I was like, wow, you know, she feels that too. Cause that's exactly how I saw New York city. It's like full commie. It's not even America anymore. Uh, you see people with masks and then you see the moms, the pretentious moms with their stupid leather Nikes, leather Nikes that were burgundy. I was like, who picks? No offense to anyone out there that has them, right? She had like purple leather Nikes and she was telling her son how to quickly fit his mask after every sip of hot cocoa. I was just like ready to say something. And Phoebe like tugged on my shoulder. Don't your sister's here. She goes, don't do it. Um, you know, it was, it was just really, 
it was really sad. Uh, that was like, uh, you know, the, the thing, Oh, at one point I had like three hours in the evening. Um, uh, after I was finished with something that I can't talk about. And I was like, Hey, let's go up the street. Cause I was, um, on West 57th, we were staying and I was like, Hey Phoebe, let's go up the street to like, um, Goodman's. And, you know, let's go upstairs and we'll have their tea time, which is way better than the Russian tea room. And I'm so sorry you had to like, suffer through that because she just sat there looking at me like, well, the tea's good. That's good. <laughs> um, even in there, like seeing all the people, like we didn't wear masks. Um, it was always those really fruity guys. So, you know, my my favorite type of friend is the is is the one that's raw and not bitchy. Uh, how's this? Let me say it in a nicer way. So there's gay guys and then there's spirit airline working gay guys. There we go. Cause in spirit airlines, they think they've now made it mandatory that you're gay. If you're male to join. Okay. I don't give a shit what anybody says like a hundred percent of them are the bitchy ones. You know, the, the divas that have no game that just talk a lot of shit and they're just like pretentious. Right. So let's go spirit airlines, stewards, right? Those guys, the, the not, not, not the really, you know, outspoken, like I like the outspoken ones, like, you know, like the elf on the shelf we caught last time at the airport and stuff like that. I'm totally game. It's the ones that are like bitchy and like, you know, like my poop doesn't smell, but everybody else does. You know what I'm saying? They only work for spirit airlines. I kid you not. If someone were to tell me on spirit airlines, they ask you if you're male, if you're gay, then you're accepted. I would believe it. Okay. Cause they're very, it's a specific type of gay man. You all know which one I'm talking about. The bitchy one, right? The one that talks a lot of shit, the one that has a spoon in the hand, stirring pots, you know, those, not the extravagant Queens or anything. We're talking the shitty ones, right? The really bitchy ones. They always stay single until they get really old. And then they find someone young that just lives with them for money. Anyway, yeah, the cunty ones. There we go. That was a nice word. <laughs> so um, those guys will chase you down to put your mask on, right? Chase you down. So we were kind of just like browsing around and we we're like, damn, totally out of our price range. Damn. And, uh, you know, Phoebe was like, oh, I really like this. And I was like, yeah, it's uh, it's really cheap. It's uh, $4,500. She was like, yeah, let's move along now. So because we had to go up to the ninth floor, the ninth floor, no, not ninth floor, seventh floor, where the seventh floor had all the home smell stuff. And they're completely over. Like, why would I pay $70 for a candle? Like, I mean, people do pay that for what is it? What's her name's candle? That stupid actress that has goop. Come on. What's her name again? That said that she made a candle that smells like her vagina. You remember which one I'm talking about? Anyway, so three different spirit airline steward type guys. Yeah. Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow. That's it. They, from, from the one end until we got to the restaurant side, they were hawking us like put over your nose, put your mask on. And I just pretended like I can't hear to one of them. And so I was sniffing stuff and smelling it. And then he was like, put your mask on. And I'm, and I'm just like pretending he's not even next to me. Like, even though I could feel his breath on my face, which is like not 
strict social distancing, right? He was saying it and I'm smelling these reeds in these big fancy bottles. And it was like only 325. I'm like, yeah, you could <laughs> like, who, who pays for that? Anyway, um, he came really close and I was just like, I can't hear you kind of, yeah, I'm deaf. And then I was like, whoa, six feet apart, dude. It's like, put your mask over your nose. And I just fucking gave him the finger. Anyway, we didn't get to go in there as they needed our stuff at the door. So it was kind of sad because they need our cards at the door. Um, they, there were some people that had like a tattoo that they were scanning QR codes. That was really weird. Um, usually the younger people. Um, so that was that. I mean, I got to ask a lot of questions. I was there for other stuff, but, um, it was, um, it was pretty sad to see it and, and, and just watch it. And you could see the people that gave zero fucks cause they were the ones with like no mask. Right. And I'm brave in LaGuardia airport. I won't wear my mask. Like I'll wear it when I'm going through TSA, like right at where I'm taking my shoes off and stuff. But then, you know, after that, I just take that off. And then when I'm walking around the airport, getting stuff like water and snacks. So that way I don't have to wear my mask on the plane. You know, I just eat M&Ms all the time. One by one too. Right. The annoying M&M eater. <laughs> I don't wear my mask. But when I go onto the plane, I do it because they'll remove you. They give zero. But obviously Delta was a lot nicer. So I just wanted to tell you guys that people are starting to get frustrated with it. But there's a lot of hard enforcement that makes no sense. Right. Like someone um, was outside and I was smoking. They were wearing two masks. Right. And they were like, I can smell your cigarette. And I was like, I guess then your mask doesn't work. They quickly shut the fuck up and look the other way. Um, so they're really upset, but it's all starting to come out anyway on the media. Like, you know, we talked about this booster stuff, right? Take a listen to this report. Though, um, really quickly, because there is some reporting that the booster's efficacy tends to wane after around 10 weeks. Um, I understand that you feel like a fourth booster could cause um, basically immune system fatigue. I mean, I, I don't know what to do about this because if we have to get boosted every 10 weeks, I mean, wouldn't, you know, it's, it feels like there is no exit um, out of making our bodies resistant to this virus. I think, you know, the, the challenge is that we're seeing science evolve right in front of us. We're learning something new every day. And so some of the data out of Israel is showing that there may be waning immunity against infection after about 10 weeks um, after the third, the third dose. Um, but still holding vaccines still holding up against the worst outcomes so severe disease hospitalizations and death israel has decided to give this uh, fourth dose to healthcare workers elderly people as well as uh, people who are immunocompromised so high-risk people so again they're still studying the effectiveness right of this fourth dose and so we'll have to see if that's something that will be considered here in the u.s i'm sure we'll be closely watching that as well all right well hmm so you mean vase, right? What we've been talking about, right? The, where you're immunodependent, kind of like that movie I had you guys watch one movie night, Arcadia, where they had people uh, dependent on vaccines. And if they were good citizens, they would get the good vaccines so they wouldn't die. And then the other ones, so they wouldn't, you know, get sicker. Remember? Control, 
right? So this is this was terrifying. But then I found this clip that freaked me out because it sounded like the guy at Central Park where his groups were like talking about what their agenda is. Listen to this. 70% by the middle of 2022. We have 185 days to the finish line of achieving 70% by the start of July 2022. And the clock starts now. Okay, why are they so adamant of getting 70% of the population vaccinated? That's really weird. Kind of lines up with whatever those underground groups in New York are doing. They're all parents, by the way, most of them. Um, and then the baby daddies are starting to be like, nah, my baby, you know, it's like, but they're not paying child support, but they don't want them vaccinated kind of thing. Um, they're actually, it's quite terrifying if you think about it, because if they vaccinate, 70% and the efficacy is about 50%. We're looking at 35 to 40% of the people actually dying. Um, and when they stop giving these boosters, right, uh, they'll just get sick from things like, you know, um, I, I, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, uh, the regular cold. Uh, so it's, it's pretty bizarre um, how people are lining up for this knowing that there's disaster in the air and it's, and it's disheartening, you know, actually I wanted to say something. So a couple of weeks ago I was, I was sick with the fever. I didn't know because obviously in October, at the end of October, I was, um, I was targeted and, um, I'm still feeling the repercussions of that. But at some point, uh, it was December 6th. I got really sick, right? Really sick. And, um, I had a high fever, stuffy nose, but I could still smell, but it was just stuffy without being stuffy. No, no, no snot or anything like that. And then I just felt foggy and groggy and I couldn't think. Turns out people that I was talking to, um, told me that they had tested positive for COVID because of that. Um, and that's what it was. And I'm like, damn, I just went through COVID then maybe. All right. Maybe I had that. Um, I was totally fine. So for all of you out there freaking out, if you get it, remember I'm overweight, I smoke and I've got a tumor. So I'm pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, a human bodily wise, I am a little bit different, but you know what I, what I had, I had that elderberry from someone in our Ohio group that, um, was sent to me. Um, I had the horsey paste, but I didn't take it. Uh, I had, uh, a lot of, uh, cuties and, um, orange juice. And the only thing that broke my fever, no joke, was naproxen, Aleve. Uh, the Aleve helped. Ibuprofen kind of did, but Aleve actually broke my fever. Um, so, um, I just wanted to say like, if that's the case, then boy, I went over it. So <clears throat> I'm definitely immune now <laughs> if that's the case. So, because I know that when I went to my doctor, when I had, uh, the bronchitis from, you know, obviously, uh, throwing up in my sleep and swallowing it. Right. She had me test for like the flu and everything. So I had a Q-tip from home in my pocket because I knew she was going to make me do it. And I like stuffed that in my nose, pulled out as much. And then I just swiped it on a swab. There was no way I was going to let her put that swab in my, in my nose. Um, and my fever had gone up to like 103.5 at one point. Um, and going into a bathtub didn't really help to drop it down half a notch. 
Um, it was at that point that I had already taken ibuprofen. It wasn't popping. But the minute I took the Aleve liquid gels, naproxen broke the fever. Uh, and that was perfect. And then after that, like for like, a, I had like what, three days of high fever and then a day of like low grade fever. So I just wanted to um, make that clear. And I remember that the day that I woke up before I started the fever, I felt like a train had run over me. It was one of those days where you're in bed and you wake up in the morning and you feel like if you get up, your spine and your bones are going to remain on the bed and your body is just going to come off. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? That I don't want to get up one. Uh, so no worries, you know, it, it, it'll pass. Uh, and, and, um, uh, it, it actually worked. I didn't have any loss of taste or smell. I mean, that's my superpower anyway, so it would be hard. But um, I was talking with people that have COVID uh, because we're supposed to be getting together to talk about my Dominion case and other stuff. And, um, you know, they were telling me, hey, you know, this, this. And I, and I even told them, hey, you know, someone had sent me in the mail, right, some listener, and I don't remember the name, sent me doTERRA respiratory drops and then something called like preventative or whatever drops. And they're like super potent. Like one of them I'm pretty sure has cloves in it. The, 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 the um, preventative that was so badass. Like it was spicy ish and it puts you off. But it was like a doTERRA ones. And I was telling him, hey, look that up. That's really good stuff. Um, because that was amazing stuff, right? Um, I'd never taken anything from them. And when I got that in the mail, I was like, uh, I need more of that stuff in my life because it's just it's really good. So the preventative ones had like a clove type taste. And then the respiratory drops were kind of menthol-ish, but not really. Uh, they were fantastic though. Um, so I would, I'm telling you that I absolutely love them. So, um, it was, it was, it was, they were super good. And I don't know who sent them to me, but now they're going to be staples in my house forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Um, <laughs> we're seeing, uh, before we get into like other like news, we are seeing that there's a lot going on. Uh, with the COVID debates. Now, we're even seeing it leak out from the left. Like, they're actually concerned, right? Uh, Fauci's newest thing that happened while I was traveling could be why I'm getting those new questions, uh, why I got those new questions. Uh, like, you know, hey, are you vaccinated? Which was bizarre. But I, I saw this uh, CNN report, and I thought it's quite important that I play it. Uh, I'd love you guys to take a listen to this. Mandates should apply to air travel is only intensifying as cases continue to soar. My next guest saw this coming months ago and wrote about it in the Washington Post. Here was his take. Quote, Biden's vaccine mandates are not enough. He must also mandate vaccines for travel. Dr. Zeke Emanuel, former member of then President-elect Biden's COVID advisory board, joins me again now. Dr. Emanuel, before we get to the airline situation, I give credit to Dr. Fauci for coming on and talking about the confusing nature of this recent CDC guidance. I don't know that we shed any new light on the situation, but react, if you will, to those issues before we talk about airline travel. Well, I, I'm actually, I've been very, uh, not so much confused, but perplexed by why the CDC did that. It doesn't seem to be medically indicated. 
the fact that people don't shouldn't test after five days before they uh, take themselves out of isolation seems uh, very perplexing. Uh, now, it maybe they shouldn't get a rapid test, but should get a PCR, but we don't have availability of PCR. That certainly has to be a component of it. And then this issue of wearing a mask where the CDC did not uh, specify high quality masks like N95s or KN95s, I think was also uh, problematic. And if you're really asking people who are, you know, are you symptomatic, are you asymptomatic, uh, this isn't uh, exactly uh, very clearly specified uh, for people. There's a lot of judgment by people as to what qualifies. Um, and so I, I think on the whole, it's it actually isn't helping. And there is, I think, for many of us, a great deal of suspicion that, as you put it, I think it was economic reasons. It's not the health of people. Uh, it's the other considerations, can we keep the hospitals functioning, can we keep the airlines functioning and things like that, that really weighed heavily in this determination. Back in September in the Washington Post, as I pointed out, you advocated for there to be a travel mandate. Are you surprised that step has still not been taken? And did Dr. Fauci, in responding to that issue, say anything that caught your ear? <laughs> uh, I am surprised. I think it's a mistake uh, we obviously thought a lot many months ago that we should put it in place. And, and we argued for it in uh, September because we anticipated that people would need two vaccines. And if you wanted to prevent transmission during Thanksgiving, that was uh, going to be an important element, um, especially because it's not just on the airplanes. It's in the airports. It's in the transportation to and from the airports that you have uh, potential for transmission. Um, it's just... It, it suggests to me that uh, Tony Fauci is interested in having the mandate. Um, I think that's what his original comment suggested, but that there are other people in the White House uh, above him, I guess, who are not interested in and not supportive of that. I don't know what the calculation is, and I don't know why uh, we wanted on international travel, but not domestic travel. That doesn't really make sense to me. I there is a logistical issue of how people prove that they're vaccinated, the fact that we have not put in a good vaccine certification system. So that is part of it, I'm sure. I should point out that you extend that to interstate travel, including buses and railways as well, not just airline travel. Yeah, if you go on to trains and, and you take an Amtrak train, you can see that, you know, there's chances for plenty of trains. I mean, those are big cars. People are in them. Even if the air is trans uh, uh, circulated multiple times in an hour, um, you know, people aren't, uh, I would say, assiduous in their mask wearing. Uh, they're eating on these trains. Uh, that is another place where we could have transmission, especially with something that's highly contagious. Do you think that it's out of concern for private industry? I mean, in, in view of Dr. Fauci's comment, and economic was not a word that he used. I used that and perhaps... That was not a good paraphrasing. But in view of what he did say, do you think that there's concern that the airline industry has already been rattled and that probably they, they would suffer if, in fact, a mandate were now to be put in place? I don't actually think they would suffer. I, again, I think that it's possible that a lot of people would feel safer. I think what people are suffering from is the fact that uh, there's a very highly transmissible variant out there and you see people pulling back. 
canceling airplane trips, canceling uh, hotel reservations, not going to the theater, uh, et cetera. If people were more confident that transmission was low, uh, you would probably see a lot more of that. And the way to get that kind of community level transmission to be low is to have more people vaccinated. The reason to do the vaccines for travel is to get more people vaccinated. That is the fundamental uh, point. Dr. Emanuel from. Wait, so we're going to tell people that they have to get the vaccine in order to force people to, tr- to, to take it in order for them to travel. Do you hear that? See, if you listen to them, even though you don't want to hear CNN, they tell you exactly what their plans are. They're not doing it to make people safe. They're doing it to force people to get the vaccine. Social media, put it up on the screen and I'll read it aloud so that uh, both Zeke Emanuel and I can respond. What do we have? Uh, We don't have a choice who we are stuffed into a cabin with, says Julie. You obviously agree with that point. Yep. I agree with that point. And I think the same thing is true when you go to a restaurant, when you go to the theater, when you go outdoor, uh, when you go into some facility, you don't choose who they are. You don't know how good the ventilation is, although on airplanes, it is good. And, and, you know, a lot of people are not, as I said, not good about wearing high quality masks and keeping them over their nose and uh, well sealed. Look, it can be done. I've noted before, the first time, this will sound odd, the first time I was ever asked to show proof of vaccination was at a Dead & Company concert that I went to several months ago. Now, was it the most, uh, you know, was it the most arduous of inspections? Not really, but I appreciated it, and 40,000 people were there that night. One more, if I can read it aloud for Dr. Emanuel. Put it back on the screen if you can. Here we go. Uh, ideally, yes, but perceived loss of liberties. Yeah, that's a good argument. What, what do you say, Dr. Emanuel, to those who say, don't tread on me, this is an intrusion on my personal liberties? Look, <laughs> I think this argument, I think I said it uh, before, this argument is not an argument that any American founding father would understand. They would be confused. You mean you're going to go around with something contagious, something that could kill other people, and you say that you have the liberty to do that, they wouldn't recognize that. It's not a matter of liberty. Liberty is when you don't impinge and you don't threaten the well-being of your neighbor. When you threaten the well-being of your neighbor because you're not vaccinated, um, you haven't, aren't taking precautions, that's not liberty. That's not taking individual responsibility. Um, and I think that is the fundamental issue. When so. They just told you what their argument is. Their argument is, is that you're a danger to society and you have no right to be a danger to society, but your vaccine doesn't work. It doesn't matter if it works or not. You're a danger to society. Therefore, you cannot mingle with society. Therefore, I can round you up because you are impeding on the liberty of others. See, that's how they work. Now, um, Apparently in the U.S., uh, you know, there's a higher new record of COVID cases. Now, I know a lot of you are watching all these shows and people telling you how to help yourself for the vaccine and everything. Uh, You know, if you got it, how you can purge it or, you know, if you get sick, what you can do. 
I mean, you know, I think it's important for us to think back at times when they didn't have vaccines and how people still survived. And, uh, you know, and how much faith they had because people who look to just science for answers and, and, you know, science doesn't coy, it doesn't play coy, doesn't shy away from questions, right? It doesn't shy away. This isn't science, what they're giving you. But right now what you're seeing is socialism. It's a giant, it's Goliath. And it's coming in the form of, we need to be safe. And you are causing people harm. We need to be safe. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And it's like, dude, if it was a pandemic and everyone's dying, you wouldn't need metrics and fancy graphs. And people telling you that they're dying, they would just be dying. Science, they say. Well, here's the CDC director giving new guidelines on COVID isolation rules. Again, you must listen to CNN. CNN was created simply to push propaganda. That is the whole origination of cable TV. Why didn't they have it on public broadcasting? Because propaganda wasn't allowed. I've just given you a big tidbit right there. When cable TV began, it was for that reason. Anyway, take a listen to what CNN has to say. Seven-day average of new coronavirus cases as the new Omicron variant accounts for nearly 60% of cases in the U.S. now, according to the CDC. Joining us now is the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. Dr. Walensky, thank you for being here with us this morning. And I'm going to start with the change in the CDC guidance that cuts the isolation period in half if you're asymptomatic. So how did the CDC settle on five days for everyone? Good morning, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. So we looked at several areas of science here. First, the science of how much transmission happens in the period of time um, after you're infected. We know that the most amount of transmission occurs in those one to two days before you develop symptoms, those two to three days after you develop symptoms. And if you map that out, those five days account for somewhere between 85 to 90% of all transmission that occurs. So we really wanted to make sure that during those first five days, you were spent in isolation. That's when most of it occurs. And then there is, of course, this tail end, um, a period of time in those last five days, which were, which were we're asking you to mask. But the other things that we were looking at is the epidemiology here. We are seeing and expecting even more cases of this Omicron variant. Many of those cases are mildly symptomatic, if not asymptomatic, and especially among those who are vaccinated and unvaccinated. And then finally, the behavioral science. What will people actually do when people need to get back to work? What is it that they will actually do? And if we can get them to isolate, we do want to make sure that they're isolating in those first five days when they're maximally infectious. So from what you're saying, it sounds like this decision had just as much to do with business as it did with the science. Well, so I, it really had a lot to do with what um, we thought people would be able to tolerate. We have seen relatively low rates of isolation um, for all of this pandemic. Some scientists demonstrated less than a third of people are isolating when they need to. And so we really want to make sure that we had guidance in this moment where we were going to have a lot of disease that could be adhered to, that people were willing to adhere to, and that spoke um, spe specifically to when people were maximally infectious. So it really um, spoke to both behaviors as well as what people were able to do.
Well, so then I guess the question, if this is based on science that you already had at the CDC, why didn't you make this change sooner than this week? Well, so our guidance was conservative before. It has said 10 days of isolation. But in the context of the fact that we were going to have so many more cases, many of those would be asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. People would feel well enough to be at work. They would not necessarily tolerate being home and that they may not comply with being home. It would, this was the moment that we needed to make that decision and those changes. The UK has also shortened its period of isolation to seven days, but with a negative test on day six and day seven, a negative rapid test. Why didn't the CDC recommend taking a rapid test after those five days? Yeah, really important question. So we do, just to be clear, recommend having a rapid test during your period of quarantine after you've been exposed. But we opted not for to isolation. have that, that rapid test for isolation. Exactly. We opted not to have the rapid test for isolation because um, we actually don't know how our rapid tests perform and how well they predict whether you're transmissible during the end of disease. The FDA has not authorized them for that use. We don't know how they perform. So what we said was, well, if you got a rapid test at five days and it was negative, we weren't convinced that you weren't still transmissible. We didn't want to leave a false sense of security. We still wanted you to wear the mask. And if it was positive, we still know the maximum amount of transmission was behind you. We still wanted you to wear a mask. And given that we were not going to change our recommendations based on the result of that rapid test, we opted not to include it. So if that's the case, then why, when a few days ago, when the CDC changed its guidance uh, for healthcare workers when it comes to isolating, they said if you were asymptomatic, you could go back to work after seven days with a negative test. So why would healthcare workers just a few days ago need a negative test, but now everyone doesn't? Yeah, really important question. So I, I want to be very clear that our infection control um, recommendations in the healthcare workplace are always more stringent for healthcare workers than they are for the general population. Of course, these healthcare workers are treating immunocompromised patients, they're treating patients um, who have uh, underlying medical conditions who are at very high risk of COVID and may very well be severely ill. So in all of our areas of infection control, we are always much more conservative with our healthcare workers than we are with the general population. Did the shortage of rapid tests that we're seeing play a role in this decision? No, the, the decision really from the isolation standpoint had everything to do with the fact that we wouldn't change our guidance based on the result of that rapid test. And you know that it didn't have anything to do with the, any, any shortage at all because we recommend a rapid tests for those in quarantine. Well, on testing, I do think the administration deserves credit this week for saying that, yes, the U.S. is not where they need to be when it comes to testing. I mean, I covered the former administration where the former president said in the CDC of March of 2020 that everyone who wanted a test could get a test. That was not true then. And of course, now people still cannot get rapid tests easily. And so when is everyone going to be able to walk into a drugstore in January specifically and be able to pick up one of those rapid tests? Right. The government is doing a lot and we have the need to do more. And I think that that was articulated this week. We have a half a billion more rapid tests coming in the month of January. And I think really in the context of this Omicron surge, not just here, but across the world, there there is a global shortage of rapid tests. OK, a shortage of rapid tests. But even once they are back on shelves, which, you know, Dr. Fauci has said would happen in January, they're still pretty expensive. And I don't think it's been very clear from the administration 
why they're not free or, or basically free if you do want people doing as much testing as the administration has recommended. Right, so we now have 20,000 sites where you can get a PCR on site and more and more federal um, new testing sites coming online in the current moment. Um, the administration is doing a lot to make sure that those rapid tests are affordable and accessible. Um, and I know with this um, uh, bringing half a billion rapid tests that are coming um, in January, there will be um, free rapid tests at sites so people can easily access them. Yeah, I think affordable, though, really does depend on your definition of it, because they can be, you know, $25 for a box of two tests. But I do want to ask you before we let you go two quick questions. One, the CDC has revised its estimate of how much Omicron is in the U.S. right now, pretty significantly from what the CDC said. So what is the change in this? Right. Really important question. So what we do is we take the genomic surveillance data that we have and we do predictive modeling in order to assess and estimate the prevalence of Omicron. Of course, early in Omicron, when we have really rapid speed, those predictive estimates can be less stable. And that's what happened in this period of time. So we have revised our estimates. We've done so transparently. Um, and But I think the important thing to note here is that there are areas of this country that have 20% Omicron there are areas of this country that have 90% of cases Omicron. And what we have seen and what our predictions have demonstrated is that this is a rapidly increasing variant in the United States. It is a rapidly increasing variant. I think that's why sequencing is so important to so many people to know, <laughs> uh, of course, where it is and how much of it is here. Also, uh, parents are paying very close attention to this rise in pediatric hospitalizations that we've been seeing. Luckily, most of them are not severe cases. But I'm wondering if you have an update for parents on when when kids under 16 are going to be able to get a booster shot and when kids under five are going to be able to get vaccinated at all. Right, so the first thing to note is to get your children vaccinated. We have vaccines available between the ages, um, above the age of five. Um, the FDA is currently uh, looking at the issue of booster shots for um, those 12 to 15. And um, I know that uh, the companies and, and manufacturers are working towards uh, data for children under five. Um, that will not be in the month ahead, but we're, we're working hard to get there soon. Do you know the timeline for booster? Because I think parents have asked, you know, if my child who, who is of that age of 12 to 15 can get vaccinated, why can't they get a third shot, given the heightened concern that we're seeing right now? Yeah, absolutely. So the FDA is looking at that right now. Of course, the CDC will swiftly follow as soon as we hear from them. And I'm hoping to have that in the, you know, the days to weeks ahead. Okay, so days to weeks ahead, potentially for booster shots for those under 16. You said not in the next month for those under five for vaccinations overall. Dr. Rochelle Walensky, thank you for joining us this morning on all of this. Damn, they really want to get those kids. I told you that they're going to start in January for those kids. Now, New York has um, actually put in the strictest vaccination. And if you noticed on the screen, they were only 61% of the U.S. population has been vaccinated. And the majority of them are New York and California and Chicago because they can't get food, they can't go out to eat, they can't go to a bar, and many of them won't be able to go to school. Here's that report. New York City's strictest COVID-19 New York City's strictest COVID-19 vaccine mandate to date went into effect Monday. It requires all private sector employees to provide proof of at least one vaccine dose in order to enter their workplace. And everyone aged 12 and up must show proof of full vaccination to eat indoors at city restaurants and other venues, including movie theaters and museums. 
The strict measures come as the positivity rate in New York City continues to soar due to the highly contagious Omicron variant. For more, we want to bring in Zach Williams. He's a senior state politics reporter at City and State New York. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for joining us. What kind of enforcement measures will the city's vaccine mandate have? Well, thank you so much for having me, Elise. You know, this vaccine mandate takes effect at a really strange time for New York City. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio will only be mayor for a couple more days. Incoming Mayor Eric Adams has taken the helm over the weekend. But so for now, Bill de Blasio is saying that health inspectors will be out in the city checking businesses, making sure that their employers have at least one dose of the vaccine. And for those that refuse to cooperate whatsoever, there could be $1,000 fines. But the mayor emphasized earlier today that the focus for now, at least, is on education of businesses, helping them comply with this mandate and leaving it to his successor to really figure out how this is going to work in the long term. So some estimate one in 50 New Yorkers uh, have been infected with COVID in the past week. What essential services have been most impacted? Well, already we're seeing warnings that there could be subway delays in the upcoming days. So many MTA workers calling in sick. There have also been reports of a shortage of EMS staff. And certainly healthcare workers have been really strained to the breaking point for really this entire pandemic. And we've seen more and more of them working extra hours. And there just doesn't seem to be enough people to cover all bases as this enormous spread of the Omicron variant continues. That said, we're still nowhere where we were last spring 2020, but at the same time, there certainly are quite a few essential services that have been impacted by the by this huge surge in infections, everything from school officials, healthcare workers, of course, uh, the EM, EMS staff, they're so important to helping New Yorkers survive this. We can't um, thank those essential workers enough. Uh, Zach, you mentioned that Mayor Bill de Blasio is only there just uh, for a short period of time. It does... Incoming Mayor Adams have the same commitment to these policies as outgoing Mayor de Blasio? I would say generally the incoming mayor has been supportive of Mayor Bill de Blasio's policies. But that said, he's been holding his cards very, very close to the chest on this new vaccine mandate for private employers. Um, he hasn't actually said whether he'll continue it once he becomes mayor. But we, but his staff have suggested that he will make his stance clear once he takes the oath of office in the upcoming days. How are New York City residents responding to the latest mandate? Well, I would say it's a pretty moot point for the vast majority of New Yorkers. You know, more than 71% of people in the city are fully vaccinated. That means either one dose of Johnson & Johnson or two doses of Moderna and Pfizer. But that still leaves about 20% of New Yorkers who have had no vaccine doses at all. Um, you know, some of them have their own reasons, all sorts of them out there. Um, but the mandate does raise the issue of how best to address concerns among some black and Latino people who are suspicious about vaccines and the healthcare system in general, especially given a very troubled history uh, of, of such communities being victimized by the government or the healthcare system. And of course, some businesses are also worried about how this vaccine mandate might affect their own staffing levels. You know, businesses across industries have been struggling to keep workers in the pandemic, and some of them believe that this vaccine mandate won't help at all. Now, um, it sounds insane, 71%, right? But like I said, there are doctors there that will give them COVID cards without actually giving the people the dose. So that's not a realistic number. 
I would say it's closer to 50% than 71% only because, uh, you know, I, I'm seeing it on every street corner and I'm seeing, and I, and I think they just come up to the people without a mask. Um, you know, and when you go to your doctor and you're like, I don't feel comfortable. Can you just throw it in the bin? He can't report you. It's doctor patient confidentiality. He could just tell you to fuck off basically. But on the other hand, he can actually comply and you can tell him, I don't want it. Just give me the card. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of doctors that do that because a lot of doctors have seen what's going on. And I'm pretty confident when I say that it should be about 50%, not 71%. Now, it'll be interesting to see how this um, new mayor comes in on the private companies. But I wanted to tell you something else I observed in New York City. I observed this company. So this company, I saw them all over people are wearing these masks that say evolve together and they have like coordinates on them. And I saw, this is what I do. Okay. I pay attention to things and I saw tons of people uptown, downtown in the village, wherever I was and around federal buildings, all of them were having masks that said evolve together which was bizarre. And when looking at the site, it just looks like a granola munching site, a personal care, a cleaner planet. It's all about <clears throat> sustainable things, storage bags, biodegradable things. I mean, whatever. It just looks super granola munching. I'm just, I'm just a little bit, mm, who did this? right? Who are these people and why are they everywhere in New York? Everywhere. When I tell you I've seen all the granola munching moms, the dads, the, the evolved together was on their masks with coordinates. Uh, they come in various colors that I saw. And I saw here that you can shop for the masks. Let me see. Uh, kids masks, everyday masks, so you'll see that's all, almost everyone I saw had these masks that had the coordinates and, um, you know, that mask. I saw every color that's on this damn website. I saw them on the trains, on the streets. Everyone was getting these masks. And I'm just kind of, um, you know, just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Like these are the kids' masks, uh, KN95 masks. Uh, they have CAN95 regular adult masks. Everyone was wearing these. So were they handing them out for free or is everybody buying, everybody buying them? Is there some sort of contract from somewhere? It's just really bizarre that, you know, everywhere I went to New York, I recognized this mask from this company Evolve Together. Uh, I just wanted to point that out because it felt a little bit weird, you know, when you see one and it's like, it's just a mask with color, but I noticed that. And then I was like, wow, that's weird. Um, didn't look, uh, look it up at all. And then, uh, I remember, uh, after I got off a train and I went to a meeting in the meeting, I saw the people that were bringing in paperwork wearing that mask. And I was just like, this is just too weird. And then, you know, I went to the coffee cart outside when we break from it, it was just really weird. And then when I went to stores, it would be just bizarre that I saw them in Brooklyn, in Queens, in Manhattan. I would just see them all. I saw the green ones, the purple ones, the black ones, the white ones. I saw all the khaki colored ones and they were all different people. So it wasn't like one 
you know, it wasn't like the moms with the like $9,000 handbag out wearing them only. It was homeless guy. It was, you know, the random kids, you know, with, uh, you know, backpacks on the train. It was, you know, people in like a Dwayne Reed just buying medicine, old people in little, you know, scooter things. So it was really bizarre that I saw a lot of these masks. I don't know if they handed them all out free to every single New Yorker. I'm telling you, I saw well over 50 of them in different places that I observed and close enough to be able to see that it says evolved together. Cause as you can see from the mask itself, um, um, you know, it's not really big lettering, right? It's just on the side. So I was close enough to see them in lines when I would get coffee, uh, you know, on the train. It was just really weird that all of them had that and it was the evolved together. So uh, this is just a, you know, just a marker there just to keep an eye out on it. But there's got to be more to this than what meets the eye. Now, um, I thought that maybe we could just take a quick break uh, before we talk Ghislaine Maxwell and um, uh, Dominion and then kind of like follow up on the OSHA thing that's happening. Because um, I think that's something uh, that that plays a lot into things. I mean, you know, Harry Reid died. You know, the guy that actually gave the dossier to Mother Jones first passed away. Um, you know, I know that he was sick. That's why he was suing Theraband for being weak and smacking himself in the face with it. I don't know. It just seems really bizarre that he dies now, uh, at all times, uh, he died now. So it was, um, a little bit weird on the timing. Let's just say on that note, let's just take a quick break. Seven Nation Army couldn't hold me back They're gonna rip it off Taking their time right behind my back And I'm talking to myself at night Because I can't forget Back and forth through my mind Behind a cigarette All right. Welcome back, everyone, from that short intermission. I want to get into uh, what's going on with the Supreme Court uh, on Christmas Day. Um, and President Trump will be speaking on Christmas Eve. Um, and I, that week, will also be traveling, which sucks. Um, I... Uh, there will be two days. I believe it'll be the the third the and the fourth that I may not. Yeah, that I will not have a show. Wait, and oh shoot, uh, I'm I'm not gonna say because it could be the fourth through the sixth uh, because I know the other days except for maybe the sixth, um, I won't have a show. 
Now, I wanted to tell you guys that um, uh, Grant and Russell uh, have uh, filed uh, the case in the Supreme Court, uh, just like everyone else. Um, Tory says LLC went against uh, the OSHA mandate. And see, the difference in the argument that I made is one that was um, uh, very specific, one that many of them have not made which is to, and I hope you guys read it because I did post it after Grant did it. He did uh, an amazing job, <laughs> Russell, but it's, it's, it's so incredible because uh, what people don't seem to understand is, is that the, the, the lack of privacy that we have as a nation in general, right? We have zero privacy because there are no, there is no legislation limiting private companies to garnering your data. And that is because uh, the um, corporations and companies have uh, the the case Citizens United versus FEC. They have that win, and therefore you have zero privacy. There is no privacy. I know we talk about the government, um, you know, monitoring all our communications and all of this, but let's keep it straight, okay? Law enforcement having access to some of our information is pertinent for security, right? We understand that. We completely understand that. The FBI agent that's assigned to your phone that watches you in the toilet is, you know, um, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I know a lot of you, <laughs> but the problem is the companies, okay? They're making a ton of money off of it, and there is no legislation limiting that, and that goes back to that case, Citizens United versus FEC. So the reason that I wanted that argument introduced, and I'm so glad uh, that it's been introduced in, in such a magnificent fashion, is to indicate that indeed the Supreme Court had found that citizens, that companies are considered individuals. And this is something that have not been brought to the court's attention, right? Because the implementation of OSHA's vaccine and testing rule for all businesses who employ over 100 employees would impact two-thirds of all private sector workers, right? That's over 25% of the population. And according to the Supreme Court, it would infringe upon the constitutional freedoms that the Supreme Court has consistently recognized as belonging to business entities. See, uh, while everyone argues the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, which are very important that the states must take care of it. The one thing I wish all of them would do would bring that up because we would be able to bring it into the Supreme Court and argue it just like Roe versus Wade. That ruling needs to be overturned. This is why the, the our politicians should be wearing NASCAR outfits because of Citizens United versus FEC. It allows them to pour in a shit ton of money to candidates they want, to lobby for policies. That's what it does. And I was really hoping that a lot more companies would have jumped in on that and said, yo, that's a good idea. Let's do that too. Nobody has come forward except for me to bring it up. And I'm really hoping that Kavanaugh hears out my attorneys on the 7th and, and allows them to litigate it because it's that important. Right. This is something that they already argued. So first of all, the one thing SCOTUS can do is be like, yeah, you're kind of right. We have to uphold that because we've always reinforced that they have constitutional rights. Because if they side with OSHA, right, if they side with OSHA, then they destroy that law. So either way, you will win. Right. 
But right now I have attorney generals and a bunch of other companies that filed because we all filed together, right? We all got put into one, you know, lawsuit and everyone has filed their amicus brief saying, okay, Kavanaugh, you're looking at this. Well, Justice Kavanaugh, listen to this. I know everyone's saying all of this, applications like this and this and this and this. They've all said this, but here's what we're saying. We'd like you to take a look at that because it's very important. So I'm really hoping that um, that actually comes to first. What is my cat doing? He's going insane. My cat has gone insane completely. Um, <laughs> Uh, he totally distracted me, you guys. He was literally climbing on a wall. I, I don't know what he was doing. So the, the, the concern here is, is that I don't see other companies jumping in on this. And it's very important because this is the way we can take it out. Because if the Supreme Court says, oh, you know, they're right. Citizens United versus FEC, then that's dead in the water. The OSHA is dead in the water. And then you will have the government try to overturn it itself or else it loses the battle of forcing vaccines. I mean, it's a win-win. It is a win when you will have them come in and argue why citizens FEC shouldn't give them give companies constitutional rights it's like why aren't they doing this why isn't anybody else doing this why aren't they trying to destroy it is the question because again if 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 every put in that one sentence and cited that and said, okay, ninth and 10th amendment, but also this, then the SCOTUS can't go against their own opinion, right? They can't say, oh, you know, we're just going to bypass this decision we made in 2010, right? We're going to bypass the decision we made in 2010. And we're just going to say companies don't have constitutional rights. Listen, if they don't take that argument and OSHA goes through, then the next thing we have to do is challenge it with Citizens United. And this is, I was really hoping that all these stupid companies that are claiming are for freedom that filed for this shit would actually put that down because it would be in incredible. What? What? SCOTUS would be like, sorry, Osha, you lose. They're right. We had like this decision in 2010. Sorry. Sorry. And then they would come back with like, yeah, that doesn't apply there. They would have to fight it. They would have to fight it because then they can't force companies to do it. And it's like, I'm not an attorney, but that's pretty simple. If SCOTUS has said companies have constitutional rights and you can't impede on them, then you can't force them to do shit. So I was really hoping that other companies would just mention that argument because that would also give a way out to SCOTUS to be like, hey, sorry, OSHA. Uh, you know, they're 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 citing ninth and tenth amendment and they're right. And you know, we did do that decision in 2010. Sorry about that. Because this is where it would step in. I'm the only company that's doing it. And, and I don't understand why others aren't doing it. So that way we can start that. It's kind of like, you know, weaving in Roe versus Wade, you know, it's weaving in Roe versus Wade. This would be weaving in Citizens United versus FEC. This would give us the ability to stop corporate funding of politicians. It would be perfect. So, you know, the good thing is, is that at least mine is in there and they have to read it because it's completely different from everybody else's. So it was well-crafted. It was filed. I'm, I'm so excited uh, that um, it was put in there because they're going to have to read it. 
It's part of the lawsuit now. So if we can get this done, then it's all good, right? Um, on the other hand, <laughs> the other lawsuit in the Dominion suit, it's gotten really, really interesting now. So on the 27th, three orders were filed. Now, let me, I know I told you guys how Pelosi's attorneys right, from the house contacted Russell and told him, Hey, listen, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like they were threatening me, right? That's how I read it. I mean, I'm not an attorney. I'm the client. And so my attorney was like, yo, they said that if we uh, don't take out Congressman Cohen, they're going to take us to federal court, which costs a lot more money, by the way. And they even made a mention of that. They were like, you know, and it's going to cost you a lot of money if we go to federal court. And it's like, you know, I was in federal court and I withdrew my case from federal court because I needed to add more people. So it made sense to go to state court because it was Chattanooga News that I needed. I wanted Congressman Cohen. Then there was this weird guy named Ross Elder who came out of nowhere and made all these sites talking shit about me. So he needs to come to carpet and say why he believes that, you know, election fraud didn't happen. Then we have Ali Akbar who claims that he knew that my election fraud affidavit is false. So he needs to come and share his expertise. And so does media matters. So does everyone else to say why the Kraken was full of shit when I wasn't. Cause then they have to just answer to that. You can't just say my affidavit is full of shit when I signed it under penalty and perjury. Nothing on there is unsighted. Nothing on there is bullshit. So now you need to answer to those statements that you made on a global stage, right? So that is why I filed my suit. You said that my affidavit is bullshit. Well, let's go. Let's show me what part of it is bullshit, please. Because I'm pretty sure all of you can take my affidavit, take it apart one by one, and none of that is bullshit. Actually, I cited that whole thing from top to bottom. I can't sit there and say state secrets and, you know, subcontractor stuff and, you know, national security stuff. And, ooh, I can't talk about that. No, I made sure it was so solid that someone that had no knowledge can link it up. There's links to articles. There's link to evidence. Uh, I mean, the orders from Barack Hussein Obama himself, the evidence of what happened, you know, during the 2014 elections in Ukraine. I had it all laid out. Fallujah. I could just fucking subpoena a couple soldiers that were there when that fucking election happened. That's all I have to do. So, you know, for all those people that talked a lot of shit, right? Talked a lot of shit. Yeah. Well, take it apart, bitches, and tell me what part was bullshit. Tell me how they were certified when they weren't. We've got letters from state saying that they don't have that either. Tell me what part of it where I have traced the IPs going there. Tell me what part of the modems that are straight from their manuals were in there. Tell me what part of it connecting to the internet according to their own U.S. patents wasn't sourced. Every single piece of it was sourced. So here's the, here's the thing. I don't see anybody else that filed an affidavit bitching about. I don't see fucking Spider who talks a lot of shit coming out and saying you lied. Because he can't verify his shit. I can. I can verify my shit. And not only that, it only opens the door for me to be able to ask questions that I can't show evidence of right away. Because then that would be a crime if I had such information in my possession. But I do have some of it that's publicly available.
So, and there is a very specific reason that in every state it was filed, every fucking judge would skip over my affidavit. They wouldn't allow that to even be discussed. They were discussing garbage bags and other stuff. Nobody touched mine. Right. So a lot of people can talk a lot of shit, but in the end, I'm going to fix it. And, and then you're going to have to eat crow and feel like shit for talking shit. Right. That's the way it is. And it's okay. And it's totally okay. What are they going to do? Try to attack me? The whole world will hate you because you attack me and you let these election frauds get away with it. Because that means you're playing on the wrong fucking team. If you're sitting there talking shit about my affidavit, you're playing on the wrong fucking team. So, um, so we've got that going. And, um, after the house was like, yeah, it's going to cost you a lot of money. So I'm giving you a deadline till Friday. Well, you know, I was telling my attorney, yeah, just don't fucking respond. Just don't say anything. I don't care. No, let God take the wheel. And he's, he's, he was for it. He was like, maybe they're blocked. And Monday they send another, Hey, so we're going to push the deadline to the end of today. And it was like, damn, from Friday, you're giving us another chance on Monday. So what they did was they quickly moved that shit out of state court into federal and oopsie daisies. Here comes a judge that wants truth and wants her. And he says, all right, here's what's going on. The depositions are going to be done like this. You can't go for bathroom breaks. You can't confer with your client. You're going to take the depositions like this. If there's any, he, that was one order. He outlined how depositions happen. Guys, I'm going to have a shit ton of fun with that. Number two, he also said any confidential information or national security stuff will be redacted according to how he wants it, right? What he thinks it is. So that was another order. And then the other order he filed was no one's going to file motions to dismiss without the parties talking. So this is where, you know, their lawyers contact my lawyer and say, Hey, you know, we want to file a motion to dismiss based on this. And my lawyer's like, no, because like, for example, right. Dominion can say whatever they want, but fact is they talked about it. So we need, because we have facts, facts in front of us, right? There's no fishing or anything. The fact is you talk shit. Hey, Media Matters, you talk shit. Hey, Huffington Post, you talk shit. Congressman Cohen, you definitely talk shit. And we should talk about that Nashville bombing, too. Ali Akbar definitely talks shit. All of these people definitely talk shit. That's fact-finding. That's not fishing around. So there is no motion to dismiss. This is where we go to trial, and we have actual American citizens saying, well, you did say that. Well, you know, we were just going by, like, whatever everybody else is in. And you publish that on a global scale. Mm, how many times did I say, don't make me release the Kraken way before the election, way before the election, way before. So this is all going to come out. And every single person that attacked me will have to grow. And I will say, you attacked me. You are anti-American because you talk shit on the only person that actually had the fucking goods to push it through. The only person. Because I am taking it home. Remember, I signed that affidavit under penalty and perjury. None of those other fuckers did it. No cackling people, no fucking red stringers. I did that shit and I'm going to take it home. That's the way it is. So that's what's going to be happening. And it's going to move pretty quick. There's not going to be delays. You know what's funny? That Congressman Cohen's uh, lawyer was like, 
he was like, uh, she was like, her name was Sally, <laughs> whatever, right? <laughs> Sally. So Sally sends an email and she's like, well, just so you know, we're going to ask a 60 day extension and then we're going to file a motion to dismiss. And it's like, oh, judge just said no. Judge said, you can't file a motion to dismiss. You need to come to the table with her attorney and discuss things first. And let's have some depositions. And I know they're going to ask me questions that I won't want to answer. And I'll just say, yeah, don't want to answer that. That's it. Or I don't remember. Or I don't know what you're talking about. I am totally going to make this come out regardless. And I'm going to be under super fire. I'm already under fire uh, from people you would think are pro-America and they're not. And, and that's what hurts most because I won't bother you if you don't bother me. I won't go out and seek to just attack someone, right? I leave it alone. <laughs> Funny story. I think Oh, did I say this on air? I'm pretty sure I said it to a lot of people, but I remember uh, weeks and weeks ago, I, I was with my attorney with another with another attorney in New York, and it was late at night. I think I did this on a on a on a on a, um say it on a stereo, and people were asking me questions about that loser Bergie. Anyway. I had gotten a lot of messages from you guys. It was late at night while I was, you know, we had just finished dinner with all the attorneys and we were sitting there and Russell was across from me. And then the other attorney was there and I was like, shit, what's going on? People were really concerned, you know, how, you know, he was unstable and then he shut off his, you know, you know show to go and run and see Lynn Wood and, and knowing, cause I have evidence like actual factual evidence where he actually sent it to me saying, you know, take himself out, you know, and he's always armed. It was creepy the way people were sending me those messages. I didn't know what happened. I was in meetings. Um, I actually contacted Lynn Wood and I was like, look, I, I you know, he's, he's suffering. He's not in a very good place now. Uh, these are the messages I got. I don't know what's going on, but just, just be careful because, you know, me as someone who knows the person and I know that they're really lying, you know, and that's weird for me. You know, why would you go that way? There's no coming back. Right. Um, unless you got paid to destroy the only person that's going to destroy the deep state. And, you know, cause money is always his, his hook, you know, that's probably it. And he failed his mission, but anyway, <laughs> failed it really hard actually. Uh, probably why, you know, um, no one ever attacked him, just attacked me and Millie and my kid. And, and then the thing is he attacks my kid now too, which is so disgusting because he's supposedly a father that loves his kid. Doesn't he parade around that picture anyway? But I did say, oh my gosh, you know, if, and I even said it in front of this, these attorneys, I said, if he goes there, he's going to end up talking shit about him and causing him harm. Like he's going to try to sue him, try to make himself, uh, you know, um, relevant, you know, because he needs someone to like oh, drum up the drama. Right. And lo and behold, today I find out that he's, he actually stated that he wants to sue him. And it's like, damn, that didn't take too long. Did it guys? It took like a little bit of time and it all came through. That's all he wants. And I know that he's, uh, you know, talking smack about me and my child and Millie even to try to get a prompt response. No one gives a shit. You don't talk to losers. They just die out in the darkness. You leave it alone because when they're paid, when they're paid to destroy something amazing that's happening in our nation, this comeback because they're whiny little bitches, they just die in the darkness. It's done. 
Um, you know, we even discussed that over Christmas. We just didn't understand why you, you know, people embellish all the time and whatever. Right. And I'm a pretty easygoing person. You could talk shit about me. I just water off my back. It doesn't really bother me. Right. Cause you don't feed me. You don't feed my kids. You don't put the roof over my head. So I really don't care if you're going to say something nasty to me. I know who I am, but when you go over the deep end and you're clearly lying, right. Then you're either, you know, you've had your psychotic break again or you're being paid to do it. And that's the way it is. Right. And so I feel really bad for Lynn Wood right now. Um, you know, all of them are fighting and they're arguing Sydney Powell. I'm a hundred percent sure she was set up and you know what? It had to be that partner guy. So I remember that when we went to DC, there was this guy named Robert Karen that was always around me. Right. And he was introduced to Millie from Bergie right? Inserted him in the middle and he was an asset. Like he was writing literal articles for the Epic times and telling him to publish it. Like we were there, we saw it. And, you know, he was friends with Patrick Berge and I think he owed Patrick Berge money or something. And what, what's bizarre is, is that that guy had another friend named Matt and that Matt guy was the one that set up Sidney Powell's, um, you know, foundation and stuff. I'm telling you, they set her up. They set her up to take her down. I don't think she did anything wrong. So anybody talking shit with whatever everybody's saying is wrong. That woman is a good person, right? She, she is a good person. She is a human being that can make mistakes. And I am, I am a hundred percent positive that she, I know that she was set up, but I actually think it's that Mac guy that was working with, um, with Robert Karen. And that's what's even, you know, crazier, right? That's what's even crazier. So, you know, um, you know, I feel so bad because all these people that were taking lead, some were sequestering all the information, right? Some were hindering the information. Some were taking the information and pretending it was theirs, Right. Uh, some people were bonafide fighters and they were trying. I know that Sydney Powell used my stuff. She went to battle, but she had so much other misinformation that was vouched to her by clowns, complete clowns. I feel so horrible for her, you know, but um, it's like uh, so much, you know, of this confusion, right? And everyone is being attacked. I mean, we can see Sydney Powell was fighting for our nation. She fought for General Flynn. Now General Flynn's not talking to her. That's really weird, right? It's not because friends fight all the time, right? People fight all the time. It's just not bring your dirty laundry out. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, here it is, all the stains and everything. But what happened was it was done purposely to cause this drama now. Now when America needs to be united, to be unstoppable, it was brought out and dredged out. And I really think that it was done by the same people. So I'm, I found that there's five different points where this happened. I've already identified the two. I'm still, um, you know, uh, looking for other things, uh, to see how they were. Now I know a lot of people talk smack like, Oh, sleeping together and all this stuff. Like, stop. If you're an adult and you're single and you're like hanging out with someone or 
that, right? Stop playing like you're like, you know, Virgin Marys out there. Everyone's sinful, especially when they have late nights, <coughs> late nights and they're drinking. Okay. Don't judge people, right? That's one thing. Don't judge people. Just leave it alone. We need to talk about facts. It's kind of like in my case with the Mayfield High School thing that's still ongoing, by the way, and I have to file something tomorrow. But what was funny is, is that they were talking about social media and, you know, news and fake news. And I was like, why are you talking about that shit? Nobody gives a shit about that. Can we stick to the law and the facts? So right now, I would highly recommend to every single American to not look at drama and bullshit, not look at like, you know, oh my God, they're going to cancel my show. I'm bringing you the truth. No, you're not, Stu. And I'm doing this and look at me. I'm a good guy. And it's like, no, you just came on the scene like five months ago. How are you a good guy? You know, just keep it to the facts. Keep it to the facts. Look at, look at what they started. Don't do the whole gossiping bullshit. Nobody gives a shit who slept with who, if they slept with each other, if they drank, if they smoked, if they went out partying, nobody cares. You don't, you, first of all, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's number one, because they're all human and everyone has this, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're just human. So we need to stop with this trauma right? And look at the center of the whole thing. And, you know, just kind of take a step back and say, well, let's just look at the facts. You know, it's kind of like, oh, Trump's not a family man. He had three wives. So he was still a badass fucking president, still is a badass fucking president. Doesn't matter. Some people have shortcomings in their personal matters and everything. So if you're tired of the drama, don't focus on it. Just focus on the facts. It is so important. It feels like you're in fucking high school. Oh, look at me. I'm popular. Let's stick to the facts. Okay. Let's stick to the facts. Assange got a stroke before he's coming to the U.S. Fact. Assange had CAA visit him before he came to the U.S. Fact. Well, before he got removed from the Ecuadorian embassy. Let me correct that. He also had Cassandra Fairbanks, asset, fed, fact. So these are facts we need to follow, right? Facts. We don't need the drama. The only time that you address the drama, the only time, is when it's impeding on the facts. You get shit straight, right? And I was, I was really excited. I'm just going to say on facts. I was really excited to see Candace Owens really show her face during that interview with President Trump. I loved it because it shows exactly where she sits. Remember that picture of Tanya Tay, Jack Posobiec's wife, right? Okay. Really showed her face, but it also showed that President Trump had no problem giving truth. Remember when she said, whistleblowers and great people like Snowden and Assange. And what did he say? Stop. One was a spy game. The other one was someone actually providing information. You remember that? Right. Who was the spy game? Because nobody else talks about that. I've said it. Right. Who's the spy game? Facts. Right. President Trump came out and said it clearly. One was about spying stuff. The other one was actual tangible information that was being given to the people. Snowden was a spy game, spy versus spy. I've already explained to you how that worked. And the other one was actual factual information. So this is how it goes. Remember, the agency can, uh, someone had put that in the chat. I saw it somewhere in the airport. He said, uh, or she said, you know, um, they can, 
the agency can create the bias, the biographies, the bios and the backstory. They can, they can literally insert fake information. Like I can take you and say, you know, you had a charge, you know, five years ago, be like the fuck I didn't. And it'll be because you had a gap that you can't cover. Maybe you left because you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you went hiking into the mountains of Peru or something. Right. And cause you went hiking and you had a gap in verifiable job or paying taxes, they insert, Oh, you had a charge and you were on the run and then they let you go or some bullshit like that. That's what they do. They find gaps and they fill them in. Now you go prove that shit is fake is really hard. It is very, very hard to prove that it is fake. Very hard. So, um, having said that, Ghislaine was found guilty, but what about all the other people? Why weren't they found guilty? That's a really good question. All of us should be asking, but here's CBS news covering the Maxwell, um, sex trafficking trial. It was fascinating to watch it on CBS. Take a listen. That is the reaction from Ghislaine Maxwell. It was hard to see if she was showing any real emotion because there was a mask over her face. But I can tell you within moments of hearing guilty on count one, not guilty on count two and guilty on those other four counts, she sort of took a deep breath and uh, looked as though she was pouring herself some water. Uh, again, this is a big day for a number of women, not just the four that were the center of this trial, but the dozens of women who accused Jeffrey Epstein of sexual abuse and never got to see his case go to trial. Remember, he was found dead in his jail cell back in 2019. And all of a sudden, the focus turned to Ghislaine Maxwell, her involvement, what she knew, what she didn't know. Four women at the center of this trial, again, as you mentioned, She's found guilty on every single count except for count two, which has to do with the enticement of an individual under the age of 17, specifically as it pertains to Jane in this case, uh, to travel with intent to engage in illegal sexual activity. Uh, but a lot of work a lot of months and even years when you go back to sort of this coming to light, uh, when you look at what happened with Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell always maintaining her innocence. But in this case, the jurors believed the women. And Jessica, let's talk about the actual counts that Maxwell was convicted of. Was Why was it that she wasn't found guilty of that second count? Well, only the jury knows for sure why they believe that the prosecutors didn't prove that case. But there was some indication that they might be going that way on count number two, if my memory is serving correctly, based in part on some of the questions they asked, based on some of the transcript they asked for. I think they asked one question about basically what type of behavior would satisfy count two. And there was some question, well, does that indicate that they're waffling on all the counts or are they just going count by count in this case? I will say that I think it actually shows the jury made a very careful decision in this case, but there's no two ways about it. It's absolutely a repudiation of the defense's tactic here. The defense, frankly, I think trying to blame the victim, saying their memories were faulty, saying that they were really motivated by money, saying that the prosecution in this case was really just trying to go after Epstein, but he was dead. So Ghislaine Maxwell was the only person standing to hold responsible. So five out of six counts, Really, it is uh, a jury finding 
overwhelmingly that the prosecution proved its case. And the fact that it wasn't on all counts to your question, I think really does show the jury took this not as a whole, but in isolation, count by count, piece of evidence by piece of evidence, applying those pieces of evidence to the jury instructions, to the law, to see if each one in isolation was satisfied. And so, Jerika, we just heard from Jessica, who had mentioned the questions that the jury had along the way. They clearly took their time with their deliberation. It took about a week or so. What were some of the things that they asked for before today? Uh, mainly the transcripts. They were asking to reread the transcripts from FBI, from other people who testified on the defense side. Uh, and to Jessica's point, whenever it takes um, a little bit longer than expected, and I don't know if there was really an expectation, but we're talking a, a number of days, hours of deliberating, knowing also uh, that there's an Omicron variant that is spreading like wildfire, knowing that New Year's Eve is a couple days away, uh, and this judge making it clear that they would be here through all of that so that they could reach uh, a decision in this case. Um, it's really years, like I said, in the making. But going back to your original question, they continue to ask for transcripts. They continue to ask questions. And having covered cases very similar to this involving sexual abuse uh, and things that date back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I think it's really, really important. I think these jurors took their jobs very seriously, as the judge noted, thanking them for their service at the end of this, uh, because it is a big burden. You know, you're talking about someone's life here. Uh, and Ghislaine Maxwell was facing up to 70 years on all the counts. But it's our understanding that she faces up to uh, at least 65 years in prison. Uh, we'll learn more about that as this goes on. But as of right now, the big story, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell found guilty on five of those six counts. And Jessica, what comes next in all of this? What does the sentencing look like? Jerika talked about those 65 years that Maxwell could potentially face. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe even up to 70 in this case, based on the counts. So in this case, the guilt phase obviously is over, at least on the trial court level. And the next phase will be sentencing. So the prosecution will come forward with a sentencing memo. The defense will say, well, look, we think there's some mitigating factors here. And federal judges have a lot of discretion. There are no mandatory uh, minimums in this case. And they can say, or excuse me, there are, there's no mandatory sentencing in this case. And so they can say, look, we think that this is an appropriate sentence. Um, and they can hear from the victims again. So judges have, federal judges have really broad discretion when it comes to giving down these sentences. But look, let's be honest, Ghislaine Maxwell faces years, if not decades, in federal prison. And Jerika, back over to you. How many victims came forward and actually offered testimony in this trial? You know, this trial really centered around the four. But as we know, and we've even spoke to on several of our different platforms, whether it was CBS Morning, CBSN, uh, CBS Evening News, a number of people, almost too many to count when you look at uh, the vast range from, you know, specifically with that first count, it had to do uh, with a woman named uh, Carolyn in this case. And those uh, accusations go back from 2001 to 2004. So uh, this is decades in the making. Uh, and a number of people, like I said, breathing a sigh of relief, feeling as though they've been vindicated, even though this case centered around these four women. Jessica, first it was Jeffrey Epstein, who you see there now, Ghislaine Maxwell. Are there more people expected to be tried for their potential involvement in the sex trafficking ring? 
Well, we don't know. I think these were the key players in this case. And of course, as we just mentioned, Ghislaine Maxwell really saying, you're only trying me because Epstein is dead, because there's nobody else to try. It is worth noting that I believe Ghislaine Maxwell also faces perjury charges. So she's facing another trial coming up. Not clear that anybody else involved in this particular, now we can call it criminal enterprise, will be charged. I know that there, I believe, is a hearing with respect to Prince Andrew next week, somewhat, I guess, peripherally related to this. But in this case, I think what Tarika said is so important, which is there were four women who came forward in this particular case to talk about the criminal enterprise. And there were a lot of other women who came forward outside the courtroom. And so I think what comes next for these particular players can also be um, additional civil charges, which obviously in a case of civil charges, all that you have is money. And we know that this was part of the defense's strategy here where they said, well, these women really just want to get some money from this basically fund that goes to survivors of Epstein's uh, abuses. And, um, and we know that ultimately the jury really didn't give credence. We know today, thanks to the verdict, that the jury really ultimately didn't give credence to the idea that these women were motivated by money or faulty memories as opposed to motivated by justice. All right. Ghislaine Maxwell found guilty of five of the six counts she faced in this sex trafficking ring. Jerika Levinson or Jessica Levinson and Jerika Duncan, we want to thank you so much. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back with the rest of the day's news. You're streaming CBS. So uh, I'm going to say I was in New York and I did speak with a few people. And um, all the other people are also being tried. You're just not hearing about it. There are deals in the way they're doing it. And I'm very pissed off, very pissed off that they're doing it in secrecy. It's uh, extremely annoying because they should have done it in public. They should have let the world see it. They should have had all of them go down in the public eye. What's important is um, if you guys actually read the article that I wrote uh, about uh, the girl trapped in um, uh, Wexner's home, that was one of those that she was found guilty of. Uh, It's quite fascinating. Now I want you to listen how um, how Newsmax, what Newsmax said about it. Um, prosecutors argued that uh, Maxwell and Epstein conspired to set up a scheme to lure young girls into sexual relationships with Epstein from 94 to 2004 in New York, Florida, New Mexico, and the Virgin Islands. uh, Four women testified during the trial that Epstein abused them and that Maxwell facilitated the abuse and actually sometimes participated as well. Strange. Uh, more details as we get them. But uh, breaking Strange. news, once again, Ghislaine Maxwell found guilty here in Strange. New York on five out of six counts of assisting Jeffrey Epstein to uh, traffic young children. You just watched Newsmax TV, huh. America's fastest growing cable news channel now in more well, than 70 million homes. You can get Newsmax. Now that we got Newsmax on on, on our wavelength and I'm going to end today's show, do you guys know why Emerald Robinson was actually fired from Newsmax? Why they, why they did not renew her contract? Do you want me to tell you why? Hmm? 
It wasn't about her tweet. She said tweets like that before, right? Do you know why Newsmax did it? Because they told her to go easy on Biden and she wouldn't at the White House. That's why they terminated her contract. They said, go easy on him. Go easy on the administration. Don't ask questions. Hmm. Well, at least we have people asking the right questions because that is the truth. This is why Newsmax deserves nothing. I mean, after all, they gave what's-his-face a job there, Spicer, who's the biggest fucking lefty ever. Take a listen to um, Peter Ducey talking with Joe Biden. This was spicy. Ah, it's a compilation, I guess. (laughs) This ought to be good. I I think so, too. Uh, About the way forward, Mr. President. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay, so $450,000 $450, per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under under the last administration. That's not going to happen. Okay, and then just a follow-up, because you mentioned Trump a couple times. When you went to try to help Terry McCullough in, uh, a couple weeks ago, before you left, you mentioned Trump 24 times. Do you still think that voters really want to hear you talking about Trump more than the issues affecting them every day? Well... The reason I mentioned Trump, if I didn't count the times, is because the issues he supports are affecting their lives every day and there are negative impact on their lives. Thank you all very much. In May, you made it sound like the vaccine was the ticket to losing the mask forever. And it's- that, that is true at the time, because I thought there were people who were going to understand that getting vaccinated made a gigantic difference. And what happened was, the new variant came along, they did get vaccinated, it was spread more rapidly, and people, more people were getting sick. That's the said, but I'm sorry, Mr. President, I have a question about something that you just said. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you just said there is no wall high enough and no ocean wide enough to protect us from the virus. So what is the thinking behind letting untested and unvaccinated migrants cross the southern border into U.S. cities in record numbers? There is What we're doing, we have not withdrawn the order that is sometimes critical or criticized, saying that unvaccinated people should be go back across the border. But unaccompanied children is a different story because there's that's the most humane thing to do is to test them and to treat them and not send them back alone. If you're not asking me a mean one like you usually do. President Obama says that there is footage and uh, records of objects in the skies 
these unidentified aerial phenomenon. And he says, we don't know exactly what they are. What do you think that it is? I would ask him again. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Come on, boss, let's go. <laughs> Your voice sounds a little different. Are you okay? I'm okay. I have a test every day to see a COVID test. I have a checking for all the strands. What I have is a one and a half year old grandson who had a cold who likes to kiss his pop. <laughs> and he'd been kissing in my anyway. So, uh, but it's just a cold. And then, so on COVID policy, it seems like the administration is starting to soften some of the language. There's this new op-ed where you talk about uh, COVID and we are going to beat it back. Are you no longer going to shut it down? No, we got to beat it back before we shut it down. Look, it's going to take time worldwide. In order to beat COVID, we have to shut it down worldwide. In the United States of America, we're doing everything that needs to be done. <laughs> to take care of the American people within our borders. But look what's happened. You know, we're starting to make some real progress and you find out there's another strain. And the idea that you can build a wall around America to keep any COVID from around the world out is not, to, not there. And besides, that's one of the reasons why. I know we get criticized, I get criticized for not doing more for the world. We've done more for the world in providing vaccines available and help than any nation, all every other nation in the world combined. In addition to that, in addition to that, we've also, with regard to India and other countries, and we're working around the clock. Remember, I suggested we suspend the patents, let everybody be able to have access to this so they can make the vaccine in their own countries. And thirdly, in Southern Africa, uh, for example, South Africa has all the vaccines they need. They don't want any more vaccines now. One of the things I'm considering is how can we help them deal with the issue of, uh, the, as I said to you before, when the biggest challenge we had in the beginning of this administration, in my view, was not getting the vaccines produced, although that was not easy. And I've got to give, you know, President Trump early on went out and tried to got them to do the research to try to get the right vaccines. But logistically, logistically, getting the vaccine from a container that gets delivered to you, to a hospital, to a state, to you, and getting it in someone's arms, that's a very, very difficult thing. And we did it better than anybody in the world has done it, but we got to try to help other people. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me take the one question from the most Interesting guy that I know in the press. That's you. Mr. President, there had not been a U.S. service member killed in combat in Afghanistan since February of 2020. You set a deadline, you pulled troops out, you sent troops back in, and now 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks? I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late but here's the deal you know i wish you one day say these things you know as well as i do that a former president made a deal with the taliban that he would get all american forces out of afghanistan by may 1. in return the commitment was made and that was a year before 
In return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others, but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm, I'm being serious. Uh, no, I, I'm asking you a question. Be, uh, because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? I think they have an issue that people are likely to get hurt. Some, as we've seen, have gotten killed and that it is messy. The reason why, whether my friend will acknowledge it or has reported it, the reason why there were no attacks on Americans, as you said, from the date until I came into office was because the commitment was made by President Trump. I will be out by May 1st. In the meantime, you agree not to attack any Americans. That was the deal. That's why no American was attacked. Yes, I do. Because look at it this way, folks. And I'm going to I have another meeting for real. Imagine where we'd be if I had indicated on May the 1st, I was not going to renegotiate an evacuation date. We were going to stay there. I'd have only one alternative, pour thousands of more troops back into Afghanistan to fight a war that we had already won relative to why the reason we went in the first place. I have never been of the view that we should be sacrificing American lives to try to establish a democratic government in Afghanistan, a country that has never once in its entire history been a united country, and is made up, I don't mean this in a derogatory, made up of different tribes who have never, ever, ever gotten along with one another. And so, as I said before, and this is the last comment I'll make, we'll have more chance to talk about this, unfortunately, beyond, because we're not out yet. If Osama bin Laden, <laughs> as well as Al-Qaeda, had chosen to launch an attack when they left Saudi Arabia out of Yemen, would we have ever gone to Afghanistan? What a big lie. Osama, Osama was never in Afghanistan. He was always in Pakistan. But, you know, details. Now, uh, to leave you with this, because this is going to be the topic of discussion, because this is what you're seeing. I'll tell you what. We, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce you to a word, secularism. It's very important because I was very pleased to see President Trump, our president, actual president, um, speak about Christ because he will reign, and we shall not implement socialism. There is no way you can create history without God. You can claim all the science you want. Science was in science. The study of what his creation is, is his too. 
So you cannot piss all over that. Remember, our history was created by him. Every single state that was formed in this nation was known, just like every single dimple feature in your face was created in the dark, in the womb of your mother. During the Obama reign, you had a glimpse into this future. It wasn't something that you couldn't foresee. You just weren't paying attention. And now we see across the planet, which obviously was it, I think it was Tom McDonald saying the revolution won't be televised. No, right. It's not, but you can see it in the East. You can see it in Africa, in the Middle East and Europe. That's all God's doing. It's almost as if the people of the world have been intoxicated with faith. And it's incredible to watch, just like it was incredible for me to see the parishioners come and say, please provide us a religious exemption. You're the only Greek church that gives it to it because they have penetrated every single leadership of every single church. This is the time in history where it's a boomerang. What man meant for evil, God is turning it around for good. You may not see that, but it is there. You know, years ago, I would refer to the Turkish people as the barbarians. The barbarians, that's what they were called when they came in from the East. Barbarians. Claiming liberation and democracy. What does that even mean? What you are seeing is a change of guard. Nah, their leader was well gone, and this is the opportunity before the other rises, and this is the change of guard. This is how you reform. You remove and you topple them down in the public. Why? Because he said so. Because they stand against his people. And Think of socialism like Goliath, and the people are David. Human secularism is the poison that is behind everything. So I wanted to introduce you to that. Because as we see more and more, faith is coming to the forefront. A lot of people, I know uh, that that um, Netflix show, Don't Look Up, or uh, that was there. I actually saw it in two parts on the plane, like going and then coming right. The other half, it was so just like today. And in the end, it was all about faith and being with those who loved and realizing, damn, we had it all and we fucked it up. And that is the case. And in the end of the movie, you know, there was this young man that didn't seem like he was very religious, but he said, you know, I was born of an, in, an evangelical, but my parents raised me like that, but I found God in my own way, right? And that was, for me, an amazing statement that everyone can see. That there's powers beyond everything. And it is at that time that everything happens, the way it should be. Huh? 
Oh, the angels. Well, you know, someone's got to whoop them into shape and put them in their spot and make sure that everyone's doing their job. And if they're not doing their job, they get whipped into shape in another shape or form, right? But the poison here is human secularism. Ah, many say atheists, this, that, that. I mean, it would really suck to think that you just get born to tick-tock down to the way you die. So here's a minute clip. And why did I think this is important? Because, you know, on my way back from the airport, I saw that coexist sticker and I was like, you know, I never made it clear. And I think it's important that I do. Let me see. I think I muted it. I did. Here we go. Do you think religion is a personal matter for individuals and something that should never be imposed on people? So do we. The National Secular Society has been challenging religious privilege for 150 years. Our work began with Charles Bradlaugh, who despite being elected as an MP, was denied his seat in Parliament because of his atheist beliefs. Bradlaugh was eventually allowed to take his seat, and once sworn into Parliament, was instrumental in bringing about a change in the law, giving all MPs the right to affirm, rather than swear, a religious oath. Since those early days, we've pioneered many important social reforms, and society has changed a lot. But there's still plenty more to do. Religion still enjoys significant privileges in the UK. The Church of England is still established as the National Church, with its bishops given seats in the House of Lords, and a third of all state-funded schools are faith schools, with worship still required by law in all schools, despite Britain being home to more non-believers than ever before. A diverse society doesn't have to mean a divided one. That's why we work for an inclusive, secular society, where no religious group is able to unduly influence public policy or impose their views and practices on people who don't share their faith. A society where everyone's human rights are balanced fairly. Whatever your beliefs, secularism protects you. So why not make a stand for freedom, fairness and human rights by joining the National Secular Society today? You know, it was funny in their advertisement when they said, oh, look, you know, we want democracy and freedom. What were they advocating for? Uh, right to end of life. Like I said, in New Zealand now, they're looking at euthanasia for patients with COVID, right? Uh, they're <laughs> abortion, right? Your body counts only when you're killing a baby, nothing else. So this is, this is what's very interesting. If you listen to the words that they say, you know what? Yeah, everybody does have that right. I am firm on that. You want to be a Buddhist, you'd be the best damn Buddhist you can be. You want to be a Muslim, you pray five times a day and hopefully your prayers make the world go round. But you don't tell me how to pray and I don't tell you, but we don't need someone unifying us so we can mishmash it and wash away exactly what religion is. This is what secularism, that society does. It brings all of them to the table. Let's make Chrislam and Judaism all one muddy picture. It's like painting a painting, right? You've got blue, yellow, red, and then if you mix them all, it just looks like shit. It looks brown shit. And this is exactly what they want. They want to muddy it so much that you cannot, um, you know, uh, uh, it's muddy and you can't tell which is which. That's what they want. Ah, God has other plans. And as you can see, that's moving along very, very well. What we all need now is God, no matter how you envision God, male, and I've heard the female version. People have stopped me in the supermarket. Did you know that there was a female God and her name? And they only talk about the honey, 
You can see God the way you see it. There is one creator. And what answers to you, that is all that matters at this point, right? I can have my vision. You can have yours. But in the end, you will come to see who the one true God is. That's the way it is. We don't force feed people. They will see it themselves. I mean, you know, if Jesus Christ was alive today, they'd crucify him. Why? Because he spoke truth. And we see that they've canceled everyone who speaks truth today. On that note, guys, God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Let's go. Crazy baby, chill. Don't medicate, just meditate. You waking up now, well, baby, you hella late. Educate, look at what's going on, let it resonate, accelerate. Find your inner hunger like you never ate. Agenda is to push the hate. Separate and segregate, don't celebrate. Quite yet, the storm is coming. Cue for heaven's sake, violence that they demonstrate. Instigate and penetrate the values of our country, and our God is what they desecrate. My fighters ain't no featherweight. Pulling out the seams of the fabric that they fabricate. They feed us lies, manipulate, intimidate, do fear and force. Forcing us to sit and wait till we come together, congregate. Then we liberate, praying that you give me strength to find some love amongst the hate. Marching on the streets of blood till I see the golden gates. Troubadour, troubled souls, one of God's servants. Blades out, cut the grass till we see the serpents. Oh, one day I hope you see the truth. This puppet show it stays on because of you fools We've been dancing with the devil way too long I know it's fun but get ready to pay your dues Swallow, just digested, suspected something's going on. Chosen, just neglected, deflected by some breaking news. Oh, we just accepted, expected just to fall in line and follow their perspective. Don't question their objective, but I got a lot of questions. How these kids molested, but nobody's been arrested. Read it in the testament, these children are protected. So I'm fighting all these terrorists, both foreign and domestic. Refuse to be directed. Lying out of sheep, only kneel to my God, so I'm dying on my feet. Uh, silence when we speak, but there's violence in the street. I've been rolling with the punches, I can't take it on the cheek. Uh, drink from a glass half full, I'm optimistic. People are sadistic, so vicious and malicious. Praying for assistance to overcome my position. No, I'm gonna start resisting, and then I pray for forgiveness. One day, uh, I hope you see the truth. This puppet show, it stays on because of you fools We've been dancing with the devil way too long I know it's fun, but get ready to pay your dues Oh God, come back home This crazy Need you now.
one day they finally see the truth God, we need you now We need you now We need you now One day, one day, one day I hope you see the truth This puppet show is on because of you fools We've been dancing with the devil way too long I know it's fun but get ready to pay your dues We need you now